sometimes God just kind of takes the night over. And um, I'm just like trying to be obedient. I'm never always going to get it right. Uh, but I just, I felt God put a, a, a verse in my heart that I just want to read to you and kind of go through. Originally, what we were going to do is talk about how we need to prepare for momentum next week, right? Uh, when in reality, what we, it's <laughs> crazy, what we just did, what was literally the message, like what we just did were, was my message. Um, initially is we, we can practice his presence by giving God our attention, right? It's giving attention. It's giving momentum, right? But essentially how to practice God's presence, which is what we're doing right now, is one, cultivating a heart of worship, which is what we kind of just did, right? We just did that, right? Cultivating a heart for worship. Just like we have a heart for our favorite foods or a heart for our favorite kind of music, Having a heart for God means we think about it. We think about him. We want to be around him, right? That's cultivating a heart of worship. Um, and that's what we just did. Now, the second point of my message was to seek God through his word. And so we're going to do that right now. So technically it is the message, just in a different format. This is going to be really quick. First uh, Peter chapter 5, uh, verse 6 through 11 they should have it, right? You got it? I gave it to them last minute. Ah, there it is. Is that all? Okay, great. All right. Want to read it? I'm going to break it down because I believe God wants to speak to this. All right. <clears throat> if you're ready, say uh-huh. If you got to say oh yeah. Here it goes. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. That's good. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, watch this, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be dominion forever and ever. Lord, this is your word, not mine. And obviously you want to speak through this. And so do it in Jesus' name. Amen. At the beginning of this verse, we see something. Go ahead, throw the, the, the top of the verse, verse 5. It says this, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all of your what? Come on, say it out loud. On him because he what? Humbling ourselves looks like this. It, 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 it looks like positioning ourselves to receive from God in a lowly position. Now, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's about thinking of yourself less. So it's not, I suck, God's great. It's, God, you're first. God, you're the priority. And so when it says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, you're saying, God, you're in control. 
God's mighty hand is his power, right? It's his sovereignty. It's his kingship, his reign and rule over your life. You are basically what this is saying is you're submitting under him. So at the proper time, right, he may exalt you. Or sometimes uh, it says promote you. How many of you want a promotion? Some of y'all be, be at work. I'm like, give this guy a pro-. Actually, I don't want the promotion here. <laughs> the only way up is Pastor Joey's job, and I'm good, all right? And that could bring a lot of anxieties because when you submit yourself under God's power, he, and he promotes you and he exalts you, we're going to want to try to take things over and kind of control some of the things in our lives. When in reality, it wasn't us that got us there. It was him. And so he gives us a command in this moment. He's saying, hey, when you humble yourself, that can seem very scary because that means you're not in control anymore. So then he goes, so, th- so then cast all of your, say it, what's the word? How many of you have anxiety? I, listen, anxiety is just one of those things that we could either let it destroy us or we can let us, we can let it point us to Jesus. You know what anxiety in the devil's hands does? It, it says it's up to you. Do you know what anxiety when you lay it at the altar? It says it's up to him. It says, all right, Lord. That's what it, that's why it says casting all your anxieties, meaning take it in your hands and throw it. Throw it. Say, cast it out. Just get it out. Casting all your anxieties. Where are we casting our anxieties at? What does it say? On him. On him. Sometimes we like to cast our anxieties on our addiction, thinking that it'll help us. Sometimes we like to cast our anxieties on our siblings, and it comes out aggressive. Like you're the mean sibling, not because you're the mean one, but because you're anxious and that's just how you respond. You're just stressed all the time and that makes you easily annoyed, right? We tend to cast our anxieties on so many things that do nothing for us and God is saying, I can handle it. Cast all of your, that means when you pray, you can cast all your anxieties on them. In the gray shirt, what's your name? What's your name? You don't know? What's your name, Sardi? I know you know her. Alani? Alani, that means after a really hard day at school or work or whatever and people be trying you, right? That means you go to God and say, God, here's what I'm anxious about. I'm anxious about this. I'm anxious about that. And normally when you tell your best friend or tell you whoever, that might overwhelm them. I want you to know when you cast your anxieties to God, it won't overwhelm him. It won't overwhelm him. There's something in your mind that might tell you not to do that because you're like, it, it'll overwhelm me. Like, who wants to hear me complain about my anxieties? God does. He's like, I do. I, I care. I want to hear all about it. Casting all your anxieties on him. Because why? That's like, this is, why is this so hard for us to do? Why is it hard for us to let somebody care for us? When in reality, that's just what we want, right? We'll we'll hop from relationship to relationship, from thing to thing, fling to fling. Because we want someone to care for us. And then when it actually happens, now all of a sudden we feel too much of a burden for this relationship. And God is saying, no, listen, I, I want it all. 
when I called you son, when I called you daughter, I knew what that meant. I knew that that was going to come with baggage. I knew that was going to come with red flags. I knew that was going to come with some anxieties, but I care for you. Alani, God cares for you. Delisa, God cares for you. Javier, God cares for you. God, he cares for you. That's why he wants you to come to him with all of your anxieties, right? Then it goes on to say, be sober-minded and be watchful. Sober-minded means, like, one, to be sober. And so if there's things in your life that put you under any kind of influence, no wonder you're anxious. You're not even in control of yourself. Be sober-minded. And this is be watchful. Why do we have to be sober-minded and watchful? It says this. It says, your adversary, meaning the enemy, meaning the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. How many know it's easy to mess with somebody that's asleep? Yeah. Just wait. When we get on the bus for momentum, one of y'all is going to fall asleep, and you're going to wake up with something on your face. It's just, it happens, all right? You're going to be the first one to sleep at the hotel room, and there's going to be pictures of you with, like, whipped cream or, like, shaving cream. Like, people, it's easy to mess with people that are asleep. It's easy to mess with people that aren't in the right state of mind. That's why there's laws against that. That's why people that go out and party and people that do things under the influence, that's why there's laws to protect them because things happen to them. Because people like to do bad things, especially to people that are not in the right state of mind. In the same way, God is warning us here to saying, listen, there's someone out there that's trying to destroy you, trying to devour you. And you can't be watchful and you can't dodge those moments or fight in those moments if you're not sober-minded. You know, we can see the tricks of the enemy a mile away if we would just be watchful. If we would just be watchful, right? And so next slide. And then it says this. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Here's what that's saying. Like, know that you're not alone. Like, when I asked who had anxiety, everyone raised their hand. Right? Everyone raise their hand. You know what that tells me? Someone that deals with it? I'm not alone. You're like, dang, the pastor deals with this? Yeah. Yes. I got an expensive wife and an even more expensive daughter. Yes. Yes, I got anxiety. I'm in the army. I got anxiety. There's a war going on. All right? I got anxiety. We, we all, we're not alone. If I can go through sins, I could go through conditions, I can go through emotions that people deal with. Like, how many of you deal with anger issues? This guy. Look, not alone. How many of you get sad more than most people? Look, not alone. Like, we could keep going, right? We could do this all night, and you will find out that there are more than five and ten people in this room that share the exact dealings and the exact issues that you're going through. So what does that say? You're not alone. Here's what I love about Excel is this right here. We're not alone. We're doing this together. We're not alone. Again, I told you I had a pretty tough week. And to know how many of you had a pretty tough week. How many of you said I had a tough week? I'm pretty sure Sturdy raised his hand for every single one of these. So it lets me know. Not alone. I'm not alone. And, and, and God's not looking for us to be superheroes. Like God's not looking for you to be perfect. God's not looking for me to be perfect. I mean, sure, I'm held to a different standard as your pastor. But listen, I'm a son just like you're a son. Huh? And you're a daughter just like there. Like, daughter's a daughter. Like, just because she's up here singing. You have no idea what could be going on in her life. Right? That's crazy. 
You're not alone. And then it says this. This is the part that got me upset, and I have to stand up for this. And iPad kids dance, right? And after you have suffered a little while, time out. How many of you signed up for suffering? Yeah, no. I didn't sign up for that. I didn't sign up for it. Like, you're in the army. Okay, I signed up for that part. But none of us sign up for suffering, right? I don't like, who like, that's weird. First of all, that's weird if you like that, right? But it's weird. And after you suffered a little while, this lets us know that sometimes in our life, we're going to what? We're going to suffer. Time out. I thought you cared about me, God. I thought that if I humbled myself, right, and and stay sober-minded, I thought, like, you cared. So why in the world am I suffering? I like that it says a little while. Because sometimes a long while to us looks like a little while to him. Because he's in control. I love this. And after you suffered a little while, this is, this is, this is what I wanted to get to. The God of all grace, of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, meaning he's called you into a relationship. What's the glory in Christ? It's the grace, it's the mercy, it's the forgiveness, it's the redemption that comes with Jesus. That's the glory. The glory in Christ is the relationship with him because the Bible says you cannot go to the Father except through Jesus. And so he's saying the God of all grace who's called you to his eternal glory in Christ, heaven, his presence, will himself restore. Who's going to restore you? He himself. He's him. He's him. Turn to your neighbor and say he's him. Like he's really him. He's really him. He's really him. He said, I'm going to do it. God, I'm tired, man. I'm tired. God, I'm like, I'm, I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm this close. And I just need you to help. He goes, I'll do it. I'll do it. You ever asked for help, like, at school or in, like, your classroom? Or you ever asked a group of people for help and, like, no one jumps to help you? Like, Trust me, when you get to my age and you get in front of people and you be like, all right, y'all, I need five people to help me tear down these chairs. Everyone does one of these? Not our leaders, though, not these leaders. I remember, like, a youth, a youth pastor of mine would ask me and my brothers for help, and I'd be like, who? Who's going to help you? Not me. I got arthritis, right? God is saying, I'll do it. I'll do it. It's like he, in, like before we finish the question, before we say, God, I need your, he's like, I'll do it. I'll help you. God is, God is eager to help you. And after you suffered a while, God will call you into his eternal glory. And he himself will restore, meaning like, kind of like an, like an energy boost. Restore you, confirm you, meaning solidify you confirmation that you are his that you belong to him strengthen you because like life just drains us sometimes you know what I'm saying life just does that and establish you establish is like it's like this it's firm foundation like it's giving Sears Tower right like that's that's not moving right like it's not moving 
and, and it's actually specifically engineered to withstand the wind that comes through the city. And there's the foundation of it is flexible so that no matter what, the building may sway, but it's established. And sometimes in our life, as we are established, winds come. Weather comes. But if your foundation is on him, you might sway a little bit. Your windows might get a little frosty, but you'll be established and you'll stand. And he says, to him be dominion forever and ever. Dominion meaning his reign, his rule. You're saying for his, to him be dominion. You're saying, like, God, this is, this is all yours. This belongs to you forever and ever. How do we get to grace Eternal glory, restoration, confirmation, strengthening, establishment. How do we get that? Go back to verse 5. Go back to the very beginning. Humble yourself. Say, God, all I need is you. That's, that's humbling yourself. God, all I need is you. How do I get ready for momentum next week? It's this right here. It's saying, God, this is, this is what I want to experience. This is me preparing to experience your presence. It's humbling yourself. It's saying it's all about you. Amen? If you're here, every, every head bowed and eyes closed. Everyone, just close your eyes, bow your head. If you're here tonight and you're saying, I want to be established. I, I want eternal glory. I want grace. I, I want help. But I just don't know how to get there. Well, it starts with this. It starts with a, a personal relationship with Jesus. What I mean is, it means you decide tonight to follow Jesus. Live the same way that Jesus lived, thus being called a Christian. But you can live like Christ and still not know him. And so what's the second part? It's receiving him in your heart as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says in Romans 10.9, it says, If you were to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ died and rose again, you would be saved. Because reality is you need help because you're a sinner. And you make mistakes. And those mistakes cost something. It costs you your life. Hell is a real place just like heaven. And hell was never meant for you and I. But because of our mistakes, it sends us a one-way ticket down there. But here comes Jesus living a perfect life. Jesus living a perfect life, doing three years of ministry, meaning loving thousands of people, doing miracle after miracle. He was betrayed by one of his friends, crucified on a cross for you, so that you would not have to be crucified yourself. Where's the good news? The good news is three days later, Jesus was resurrected. Jesus lives today. He is seated next to his father, God, in heaven. And all he's saying is in order to escape the devouring lion, Satan, and hell, in order to get the help that we need, we need to be saved. We need to accept Jesus into our hearts. He's not asking you to be perfect. He's not even asking you to be okay. Right here, right now, 
even if it doesn't make complete sense to you, God is calling you and saying, I sent my son to die and live for you because I love you. And I want to be with you in eternal glory and dominion forever and ever. And that can only happen if you follow my son, Jesus. And so here's what I'm going to do. If you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior tonight, you want to be a Christian, you want to be saved, on the count of three. Now, this is for the first time. This is for the very first time. Meaning you've never done this before. On the count of three, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand real quick and put it right back down so that I can see it, and that's it. One, God loves you. He really does. Two, he's crazy about you. There's nothing that can separate you from him. Three, if you want to receive Jesus for the first time, just slip your hand up and put it right back down. Yeah? Did you? Awesome. Sometimes you need a best friend to do that for you. Is there anyone else? Is there anyone else? I'm proud of you. Sometimes you need a friend to do that for you. Thank you, best friend. Is there anyone else? All right, maybe you're here and you've been living two lives. You're one way at school, you're one way here. Shoot, maybe three. Maybe you're one way at home, you're one way at church, you're one way at school, and you just you, you feel torn, and you just need a good reset. You need God to, to bring you back into order. You need to remind yourself that you're a Christian. Is that anybody? You say, I want to I rededicate my life to Jesus. Is there anybody here that wants to do that? Just slip your hand up. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. That's amazing. See, you're not alone. You're not alone. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to repeat after me, everyone. Say, dear Jesus. Come on, dear Jesus. I know you see me. I know you know I'm here. And I know you're here through your Holy Spirit. I recognize tonight that I'm not perfect, that I make mistakes. But I also know that you're perfect. You never make mistakes. And you love me. You love everything about me. So tonight, I believe in my heart that your son Jesus died on the cross, paid a price that I couldn't pay. My sins he carried. And I also believe that three days later, with all my heart, that he was resurrected. Meaning, he lives. Jesus lives. He reigns. He rules. And because of this, because of my confession, starting tonight, I receive Jesus as my Lord, as my Savior, as my King. Come into my heart. Tell me how to live. And starting tonight, for the rest of my life, I'm saved, I'm delivered, I'm healed, I'm seen and loved. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. Come on, give God a hand clap. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on.